Welcome to the all-new, all-different, number one comics podcast. This is episode number 26. I am your co-host, Dan. Sitting directly across from me is Bob. Say hello, Bob. Hello, Bob. We are a comic book podcast where each and every week we take a look at a brand new number one comic book, break down the story as well as art, give it a little bit of a review and tell you if we think that you should move on to issue number two or not. We also talk a little bit of comic book and related news, as well as what's new at comic book shops this and next week. And this week, we'll be taking a deep dive into the all-new number one. From Dark Horse Comic, Barnstormers, A Ballad of Love and Murder, written by Scott Snyder and drawn by Tula Lotte. Beautifully said, Bob. I was going to say, I don't know how you um, word something like that. It's not called a subtitle, uh, but, you know, like the little, I I don't know. This is, you know, to me, this was Barnstormers. And then as I was reading it, I was like, oh, no, it's Barnstormers, A Ballad of Love and Murder. So Subtitle's good. (laughs) Yeah, subtitle, sure. I mean, I I guess when I think subtitle, I think, you know, Mm -hmm. you're watching a movie or whatever, and then it's got the little written out form of the dialogue at the bottom of the screen there. But yeah, yeah, closed captioning. Sure. I guess that's not subtitles. Um, Yeah. Either way, we're here to talk about subtitles and not comic books. This is the all new, all different number one subtitle podcast. (laughs) (laughs) We'll be right back after this quick break. And we are back with the all new, all different number one comics podcast. Bob, there's not a whole lot of news this week. Very slow week. There's actually not really any news this week. I think, you know, when you came over, you first spoke to me about Mary Jane getting her new superpowers as Jackpot, spoiler alert, and and (laughs) Amazing Spider-Man. I I guess newsworthy? I I don't know. I mean, uh, conversation-worthy, I guess, but uh, I don't don't really know what else to say about it. (laughs) Surprisingly, after all these years, they haven't done it. Yeah, and that's kind of one of the things we were talking about. There's a couple of things that almost seem like off the table. Of course, you Mm -hmm. get like... Every time you hear about Batman, every time Batman's rebooted or whatever, like you always get to see his parents die and get to see his origin story. <laughs> um, I, I don't know, but there's there are like a couple of things. We, always, just, we need to refresh her every few years. Yeah, sh- sure. Yeah, I mean, you might forget. <laughs> it's very important to know his parents died there. But I, I think that, you know, there's a couple of things that just seem off the table. Of course, very famously, one of them is not bringing Uncle Ben back. <laughs> That's just... Like I said, you can make as many alternate versions mm-hmm. as you want, sure. but you can't bring Uncle Ben proper back to life. So here's the question then, and I kind of threw this out to you, and I'll throw this out to the listeners as well. Is there a clause over in the Marvel contract? Like whenever you sign on to write a Marvel book, are they like, all right, here's a list of things you can never touch, and Uncle Ben, res- <laughs> resurrecting Uncle Ben is one of them. Like, it just cannot be done. Like, it has to be, right? I have a feeling they do, and it's literally called the Uncle Ben Clause. <laughs> yeah, because... I would not be surprised. Yeah, there's no way, after all these years, that somebody hasn't come up with the brilliant idea to do, like, some kind of Uncle Ben thing, so... And it's like, no, can't do that. Yeah, yeah. It's uh- set in stone. <laughs> it's like, not to get too religious here or <laughs> people but it's 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 like the 10th commandment uh-huh yep you know thou shall not bring <laughs> uncle ben back to life yes absolutely you can't it's just not even an option so again not to offend anybody i'm sorry if i did <laughs> i didn't offend anybody not with that i mean there's way worse things you could say like 
I will like put in like a long beep there probably and make it sound cool. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. Are there any other things like that you can think of? Like what else is out there? I was just reading and I can't remember which book it's in now, but uh, there's, oh, I think maybe Edge of Venom, sorry, Edge of Spider-Verse 4 that, that came out this past week that J. Jonah Jameson is a Spider-Man. Has there ever been another time that you can think of where there was a J. Jonah Jameson, Jameson Spider-Man? Not that I can think of, no. Yeah, I think that's a first. And, of course, his name is Headline, which I, I really like. That's a fun name, so. <laughs> here's, a, here, here's a rule, and we just, <laughs> and we just actually talk about it. If you do a Batman movie, <laughs> you have to show his parents dying in Crime Alley. Absolutely. It, it has to be done, because how else are you going to know that he was raised by bats and then bitten <laughs> by a radioactive bat and became Bat Guy? Oh, that would have been so cool for an origin. <laughs> yeah, uh, somebody should just mix it up, throw it in there. <laughs> maybe, maybe, um, uh, do you remember when Stanley was doing the... Uh, oh, yeah, the Just Imagines? Yeah, the yeah. Just Imagines. Oh, yeah. I never read them, so I'm not quite sure. Uh, that had to have been what happened, right? Because I remember that the Batman one, like, he, he basically just looked like Man Bat. Like, it was a, it was a Bat guy, like, instead of Batman. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a dude dressed up in a costume. It was like a mutated bat person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. That that stuff's fun to think about. I, I like whenever they put those out. Those are really cool. You know, they should do the vice versa also. I don't know if that's ever been done before, but like, I know we don't have like a prolific like creator over at DC or anything. It's not like there's a Stanley of DC really, mm -hmm. but like, could we do like DC reimagines the Marvel universe or something? That would be a lot of fun. Like, what would a Amazing Spider-Man done by DC be like? Or, like, a Captain America? I don't know. Um, how would that change their origin story, I wonder? Well, I guess in a way, and I was talking about it a couple of episodes back, about um, coming out of the death metal event. Yep. You know, when those new superheroes um, got their powers. Mm -hmm. And even though he didn't have the exact same power set as Spider-Man... I mean, of course, we know he was inspired by Spider-Man, mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. could you technically say that was DC's version? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. And I wonder if something like City Boy also, that doesn't seem like a typical DC origin to me. It seems pretty Marvel-inspired, at least his power set or something. Like, it just seems a little different. I don't know. Yeah, that doesn't really seem like any uh, Marvel hero i mean not that anything that like it's side by side with i just mean like it seems more like it comes from like the marvel oh, universe yeah, than I get the, what you're in the I dc get what you're universe saying. just with the superpowers there and everything I, I i don't know just interesting to think about how how some of those might come out from a, a, a different publisher as opposed to the one that they're synonymous synonymous with some so i don't know what word i just said but yeah words are hard <laughs> well for me we all know i mean Peacemaker is a former Captain America. <laughs> well, yeah. He's Captain America that. when he went Hydra. Yeah, sure, sure. And he's got that eagle, so there's that at least. <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe is that, that's is that his, a side Maybe pick? that's his Sam Wilson. Yeah, I think so. So, Bob, there's... Look, again, there's not really much news to talk about. I'm just going to go into uh, something something else. So, so here's where we're going to go with this. Okay. This is all. I'm gonna throw out your disclaimer that you usually throw out with your with your new wow, comics releasing. Your yeah, I, I gotta take that away from you this episode. 
This is about some movies Don't that... Don't worry, I'll be saying it later. <laughs> yeah, it'll come up again. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, this is about some movies that are scheduled to come out. Of mm-hmm. course, there's a writer's strike. Of course, there's a million other things that... Um, caveats that, that could, uh, I don't know, impede on that. Or, mm-hmm. or as we've seen with Deadpool 3, possibly even move something up. You never know. But these release dates are all very tentative. Anyways, I just want to get our number ratings for anticipation level on all of these projects that are slated to come out. So, you know, if you're very, very excited, give me a 10. If you don't care that much, give me a 5. If you really okay, don't so want to see it, give me a 1. Yep, we're doing okay. 1 to 10s. And I'm going in order of release date. Can it go to 11? Sure, if you want it to. <laughs> I know you want to see Blue Beetle. So, um, yeah, uh, again, they're going in order of release date as announced right now. Now, this information may already be... Uh, not valid anymore or it might change tomorrow so who knows Mm -hmm. but you'll have to excuse me for that and we'll just go along with the title so number one being blue beetle which is right now scheduled for august 18th of this year give me a number bob (sighs) (laughs) i'm gonna go five on that one five okay five so you're pretty neutral like you'll you'll you don't have plans on seeing it but if you see it you'll sit down and watch it uh, you're not expecting big things, but it no, can wow you or disappoint you. Especially seeing that uh, those first couple of trailers. Yeah, agreed. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm totally disappointed with it, <laughs> but I mean, I just wasn't. Oh my god, they're doing something different. Yeah, it's Blue Beetle. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't look like anything I need to see either. I'm gonna say four because I, sadly, I probably won't even watch it. It would take, like, something really big to make me watch it. I mean, mm. it, look look how many people have said good stuff about The Flash, and I still haven't watched it. So, um, so I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of luke, very lukewarm on that. So, how about Craven the Hunter, October 6, 2023? That's going to be an 8 for me. An 8? Wow. I, okay. Yeah, I, I, you know, I wanted it, I wanted it to be higher. Yeah. But, again, there was just something about what I've seen so far that's kind of like... It just doesn't look as good as I thought it would be. Yeah, I, I, I oddly enough, I'm another number behind you again on this one. I'm, I'm going to go seven. I really want to see it. I think that it has a lot of potential. I it do, could do. be really, really cool. The trailer looks great. That red band trailer looks a lot of fun. I will say the only thing that I don't like about it, and it's not the origin. I don't care that they stole Catman's origin to, to do <laughs> Craven instead. It doesn't At least matter they didn't to me. Kill his parents. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, it doesn't matter much to me. I mean, there's a lot of people complaining on the internet about how they change, you know, heroes or villains or whatever, comic book characters' origins. I don't really care. I feel like it's a different telling of the story. It doesn't have to be 100% comic book accurate right. to impress me or whatever. Right. I'm just excited to see the character on screen and see an interpretation. But I will say the thing that takes it down like a couple of levels for me is like it looks like a lot of fun, but I, why is Craven the Punisher? Like, what, <laughs> he's just killing everyone. Like, I, I don't know. It's it just seems a little a little intense, and I would like to see a little bit more Craven personality behind it. Mm-hmm. Even if his origins changed, I'm fine with that. But yeah, just it doesn't seem Craven. Now to ask a question to you about Craven, mm-hmm. do you think it all depends on the financials of this movie? If he gets moved over into the Spider-Verse. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure that's probably how they're looking at everything. Um, you know, the financials, the... And, and then, you know, maybe not even 100%... Sorry, per, 
percent just the financials, but also, you know, it needs to at least be, uh, I don't know, acclaimed by the audience or something, something like that. We can't have like a, a Morbius situation and then <laughs> move it over to the to the Spider Verse. So, yeah, there's there's always that. Bob, how about the Marvels? October tenth, two thousand twenty three. We got. <laughs> We got Miss Marvel, we got Captain Marvel, we got Photon, like, what, 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 or, I don't know. I'm going to say six on that. A six? Okay. Yeah, a, a six. I'm, I'm, I mean, don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm excited for this, and being, you know, more of a Marvel than DC fan, I'm yeah. always up for, I'm always more up for seeing the Marvel movies than mm -hmm. the DC movies. But... I don't know. I I just still <laughs> after all this time. I I just still can't. I can't get behind Brie Larson as is uh, Captain Marvel. So it's a Brie Larson problem for you, okay? That's. I mean, that's that's the that's the main thing. She's just a. She's just a little too wooden to me. I got you. So, uh, and and again, that's that's something we hear a lot of. Uh, mm -hmm. A lot of people say that. I'm on the opposition of that. This is a nine for me. I'm, I'm really looking forward to this one. The only thing that makes it not a 10, and I, I hate to say this, is Monica Rambeau. Like, I, I just don't, I, I feel, I don't like that character. It's not the actress. It's not, it's not. See, and I actually, I actually like the character of Monica Rambeau. Really? I'm just not into Photon. Like, I, I don't know why I'm just not into her. Um, mm -hmm. I'm really, really excited about Camilla Khan. Like, I, I love the Miss Marvel show. I thought it was Amazing. I'm excited to see her on the big screen and interact right. with Brie Larson and stuff. I love Brie Larson. I thought Captain America, or sorry, Captain Marvel, <laughs> wow, um, was was like a nine all day in my book. I, I love that movie. I, I like her see, in the role as well. I, yeah, and I'm really glad, you know, Marvel did that when they cast, who they cast mm -hmm. is Miss Marvel. Yep. The fact that they're bringing somebody from their TV side yes. into their movie side. That's, to me... That's where DC dropped the ball. Yeah, sure. Because pretty much the day after, you know, the Flash series was announced, mm -hmm. and uh, people found out Grant Gustin was going to be the Flash. Yep. We found out Ezra Miller was going to be the Flash for the, you know, for the movie side, and it's kind of like, if you look back on it now... Who did the better job as Flash? Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. all all the issues with Ezra Miller aside, uh -huh. mm -hmm. I mean, just the way they portrayed Barry Allen, I think they should have given Grant Gustin a chance. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I think I I think it's hard to wash out of my brain the Ezra Miller of it all and Ezra Miller's personal life. Now, like you said, that aside, I, I agree. I, I like I like the other actor better. I think that I don't know. A lot, a lot of props are be are being given to Ezra Miller for their performance in the Flash right now, and a lot of people are saying, you know, whatever they're saying, you know, whether they don't care about the controversial stuff or or whatever, um, or if the studio, you know, the studio itself is backing Ezra Miller and saying you'll forget about all the stuff like we discussed before. I don't know. I just don't see it. I think like why prop up these people? Just get Ezra Miller out of here. Like we don't we don't need any Ezra Miller stuff. Go away, Ezra Miller. Nobody likes you. Go home. Um, but but yeah, uh, I I'm really excited about the Marvels. I that that's definitely the highest one for me so far. I cannot wait to see that. Here's one that 
I'm interested to hear your number on, and I'm interested to come up with mine as well because okay. I'm still I don't know where I stand on it just yet. Okay. Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom, of course, on Christmas Day, December twenty fifth, two thousand twenty three. Very odd time to bring that movie out, but yeah. okay. Yeah, well, you know. You know, my number changed on this one. Okay. Yeah, because you were really, really stoked on Aquaman, that first movie. Yeah, my num- my number was around a 7-8. Mm-hmm. I was going back and forth on which one it was, but yeah. I mean, 7 or eight, seven and 8 is so close. Yeah, sure. Now... Now it's probably a three. <laughs> wow, a three, all the way down to a three. Is it because you're really sad that they cut all the Amber Heard out of the movie and that's why you wanted to see it? <laughs> no, I'm really, I'm really glad that trial's over with. I was tired of hearing about it. Oh, man, I loved watching now, it, though. The it biggest reason success. for me is, as of this point, mm-hmm. it means nothing. Yeah, it... it, it <laughs> You're right. I mean, what do you even say about it? It does nothing. It means nothing. There's no point. It's just a movie that's there. Uh, which I guess I could say, you know, to defend movies from the past or whatever. I mean, that's that's what all movies used to be. Like, they were just nothing. It was just a movie. It didn't really connect to anything else, and it didn't matter. But, so. but consider, yeah. considering where the state of movie franchises sure. are nowadays. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a throwaway. There's no point. Um, I will say this. I'm, I actually hated that first Aquaman. It was a lot of fun for me because I watched it in, in, I don't, I don't remember what it's called, 4X or 4D something, where the water shoots out and the wind shoots out and everything. Okay, 4D, yeah. The seat moves and all that stuff. It was a fun ride. Like, Mm -hmm. I felt like I was at a universal ride. Like, Mm -hmm. it was, it was a lot of fun. The movie, if I watched it just straight you know, just a regular movie. I don't think I would have enjoyed it at all. I think I probably would have walked out at some point, to mm-hmm. be honest with you. And I haven't walked out of very many movies. But as a ride, it was a lot of fun. Now, that first half of the movie where we had to, like, go through all the stuff with the parents and, and all that, I just, it was super boring to me. I, I, I could definitely see where that could uh, turn people off. Well, let me tell you this. My, whatever they use now, I guess digital projector or whatever, it had a hiccup and it stopped like right after that part and then they didn't know what to do so instead of like just continuing on they Don't started the movie over again <laughs> so i had Did to watch really? that twice yeah I, I was gonna say wasn't that about god wasn't that about at least 20 30 minutes yeah that's the, in, in my memory yeah it's definitely that long um but yeah that's <laughs> do you think that could have affected your opinion no i mean i it I, I don't know, man. It's it's Jason Momoa. It's it's I'm I'm just not sure. Look, Amber Heard wasn't even the worst part of that for me. I was fine with her. See, performance. and I thought Jason Momoa did a good job. It's not that he did a bad job. It's just I don't like that depiction of Aquaman. Like I don't like the bro thing. I think it's and I like how they leaned into it. I thought that was funny. Hand. Do you want the hook hand? Yeah, I think so. I think I just kind of <laughs> want that old school. Like I'm I'm not sure. I'm not sure what I want out of it. I'm not a huge Aquaman fan as it is. It's not like I'm out there reading a bunch of Aquaman so comics. You, so you want the green pants yeah, and the definitely. orange top? <laughs> I don't know. Either that or... We or got again. a little bit of that. Sure. I think I've said this probably way too many times, so you probably already know where I stand. But, like, 
I don't know, man. Like, why can't we get into the horror element of some of these things? Like, they kind of did it in the little trench scene. Like, I would have loved to see a really dark movie. I think that that would have been really cool, and that would have upped the stakes a lot for me. I, I would have liked that. I know Aquaman's not traditionally a horror character. I get that. But, like, I don't know. I, I think that's a huge missed opportunity. That would have been cool. Well, there, I mean, there was the rumor of the trench spinoff. Yeah, and then it, it got I, squashed. Yeah, yeah that's I, I think that's pretty much dead in the yeah, water that's, that's, right now. Yeah, uh, puns and everything but yeah um i don't know i think i'm just gonna go one point ahead of you and and i'm gonna go with a four i will say this after that trial that johnny depp amber heard trial it really made me dislike amber heard a lot but like i said a minute ago i didn't have any problem with her performance in the movie and i'm kind of sad that she's not gonna be involved in it that much i think that i don't know just him like if it's just really focused on him I, i'm just not sure I, i'm just not sure what to think here but I'll, I'll say a four let's move on to the next one madam webb right now with the date of february 16th 2024 who knows if that date will stick but <laughs> bob deep breath on this one uh you know and i'm not i'm not deep i'm not deep in breath as in it's gonna be bad yeah i'm i'm actually gonna give that a seven okay I'm, I'm, I'm actually looking forward to, because I know almost next to nothing about mm. Madam Web. Yeah, I, well, yeah, this one I think is really, really interesting. This is a really oddball move for them, just like El Murto, like it, uh, it, which is now, you know, completely gone. It's not looking like that will ever come out, but this one obviously has a, a big cast involved. It's got mm. some big characters. It's got a lot of, like, tie-in you know to the overall spider-verse it looks like i don't know i'm i'm with you like i i think this one has the potential to be really really good i'm gonna say eight for me how about and look we already know this date isn't happening mm -hmm. spider-man beyond the spider-verse march 29th 2024 i think that's very very laughable that they thought that that would come out at that time um but yeah anyways we know that that will be in production at some point so what's your ranking on that oh that definitely goes to 11 yeah yeah i'm with that you definitely yeah, after, after after the last movie yeah, after and that oof. after how it ended that's definitely going to 11 yeah i absolutely agree with you there deadpool 3 may 3rd 2024 uh, that's going to be right below, um, beyond <laughs> Spider-Verse. That's going to get a 10. A 10 for you? Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I'm, I'm really stoked about the Wolverine. Um, I'm excited that they're going to bring in all the X characters and everything. I like Deadpool, but here's my caveat here. I'm not like the hugest, hugest fan of like all the comedy in there. I think that, mm -hmm. it, I, I don't know. It just takes it down a little bit for me so while i really liked deadpool one and two i still by really liking them would probably give them both like a six or something so this is like right there like six have you heard have you heard the rumor about who could be coming back who was reportedly <laughs> spotted on set are we talking magneto no okay okay no <laughs> we're 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 talking 90s daredevil oh Wow. Mr. Ben Affleck himself was reportedly spotted on set. I could see that. Ben Affleck has a great uh, comedic background and stuff like dogma and everything. Uh, yeah, obviously mall rats and stuff. Yeah, that, that would be cool. I, well, I would and, love that. And with the reported whole you know, um, 
you know, of course, multiverse aspect mm-hmm. of the movie. I mean, you know, Ben Affleck coming back as Deadpool for like a cameo or something. Yeah. I mean, throwaway cameo. That would make sense. That would be cool. I, w- I would like that. Yeah, that would up the ante for me a little bit. Uh, how about Captain America Brave New World July 26, 2024? That's going to be an eight. <laughs> Wow, an eight. An okay. eight, yes. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm conflicted on this one as well. I don't know how much I want to see this. I almost wish that Captain America could just rest for a little bit. I know it's a new Captain America. I get that. Um, I just I I think out of the Marvel Disney Plus shows, I liked Captain America Winter or uh, sorry. Um, Falcon and Winter Soldier, my bad. Um, I liked it, but mm-hmm. it was definitely like probably the lowest rated one for me. I don't know. This one's probably going to sit at like a six for me and, and kind of see where it goes from there. Uh, here's a big one for you, Bob. I know you're very excited about Joker, uh, Folly. Uh, I, 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 how do you pronounce that? Whatever. Um, <laughs> Joker 2. Folly did... Uh... I can't even remember what yeah, it's exactly. called. Yeah, exactly. So that so. might give my number away right there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Man, I'm with you. I don't know what your number is. I, 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 know, I didn't even see the first one. I mean, a buddy of mine said it was, you know, good. But, I mean, I, I never watched it. I'm, uh, I mean, no offense against, you know, Joaquin Phoenix. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Lady Gaga. Of course, I've never seen her. Sure. I know she's acted in a movie, but I don't know what... <laughs> She's acted in. Yep. But, I don't know. I mean, I know, I know um, that uh, Phoenix is playing a uh, character that, you know, I personally like. I know your stance on (laughs) the Joker. And don't get me wrong, Joaquin Phoenix, I think he's a really good actor. Mm -hmm. I loved him, you know, in Gladiator. You know, I I like him in a lot of other movies, but... I don't know. I mean, to me, Joker should not be like an artsy mm-hmm. role. Yep. And, I mean, any movie with Joaquin Phoenix, that's what it's going to be. I mean, again, he's a really good actor. I mean, the movies he's in, and I know he picks and chooses his movies. Mm-hmm. Every star does. Sure. But, I mean, especially somebody like him, you know, pick and choose their roles. Yep. But... I don't know. I just, just for the character of the Joker, you don't need like an artsy, you know, out there kind of Joker. I'm with you. I don't know what who this interpretation is for, and I will say I know quite a few people that really, really like the movie. And what I'm gonna say about it, it might be controversial. I don't know, but I hated it. I, I thought it was a terrible, terrible movie. I couldn't. I, I sat through it, so I guess that maybe it's Seven better times. than the Batman. Yeah, no, but um, it's definitely not anything I ever want to see again. I really didn't like it at all. And what I've heard from people that really like it is uh, this is a movie for people who don't like superheroes or superhero movies. It's like it's for people who want to see you know that kind of movie, and and. I don't know, the deconstruction of that kind of character or whatever. I'm not into that kind of thing. I don't think, mm. like, obviously I'm big on superheroes. I'm big on comic books. I don't want to see the anti-comic book movie of a comic book character. We're doing this that's... podcast for a reason, guys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I don't know. I, I think it's very bad. Um, I, I will say Lady Gaga is Harley Quinn. That sounds cool. Um, she's she's a really interesting person. And, 
and I'm sure she'll do good at that. I'm sad that she has to do it in this. Uh, again, another throwaway thing that doesn't matter to anything, but um, but whatever. The last one I'm going to talk about, because I'm not going to go into 2025 movies. We'll stop at yeah. 2024. Is uh, Thunderbolts scheduled for December 20th, 2024. Give me your anticipation there, Bob. I'm going a six on that one. A six? Wow. Now... Do you have any, like, are, are we going to get the, you know, just the classic Thunderbolts in this thing? Um, I don't know. I, I wonder the, yeah, what the lineup's going to be. From, like. the lineup, from the lineup they first announced, it's not mm-hmm. going to be classic Thunderbolts. No, okay, okay. So, so I don't know. I mean, I, I'd have to get some more information. I'm not hugely partial to the Thunderbolts run. It's fun. Mm-hmm. It's a fun uh, bit of comics mm-hmm. there, but or long run of comics, I guess, actually. I think it went past the 100s, but... The, uh, <laughs> yeah. It, it has. I mean, for a newer team, it actually has been around. Yeah. They ha- actually have been around for a hot minute. Yeah. Um, but but I don't know. I'm, I'm with you. I think a six sounds very fair to not know much about it. Um, but just as far as, you know, the potential for a Thunderbolts movie... Could be really, really cool. I think we're in a weird territory right now where there's the superhero fatigue that people talk about. Um, maybe Disney and and Marvel not doing as well as before, not as much hype as before with things. So to get a huge ensemble on screen and, and execute really, really well and throw a lot of money and promotion at this thing, I guess we'll have to see what happens. That'll be interesting. I feel the same way, though, about the DC slate, you know, knowing that um, there's there's more Batman coming out. There's the Superman movie and everything. I don't know that it can be sustained with the general audience anymore because of the uh, the talk of superhero fatigue and everything. So to have something that big on screen, that high stakes and everything, I'm just I'm, I'm not too sure. But I guess we'll have to see what happens there. But, yeah, I'll go with a six um, either way. We're going to take a quick break and we will be right back. And we are back. Bob, let's talk about some new comics that dropped in comic book shops this week. I know what four of them are. Yeah, well, I know what a few of them are. but <laughs> Yeah, let's get into them. Uh, Image had a third printing on World Tree number one. Man, you and I just talked about this after reading issue number three. This is just, if, if, you, if you missed out, if you can't find a copy of number one, go get the third print, whatever. Go get the third print anyways. Support this book. It's so good. They have enough variant covers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can find a copy. But yeah, it's it's really good. Yeah, of yeah, of it, course, it, written it really by is. James Tynion. Um, and then uh, a good friend of the show, Steve Fox, there on the editing. So definitely support that team. It's, it's such a good book. You're definitely going to want to check that out. Another kind of horror book... I guess leans into the horror or whatever heavily in some spots is an anthology book written by uh, Maxwell Prince, the same author who did ice cream man. And it's called Swan songs. It's an anthology series about endings. And by endings, they mean like the end of a relationship, the end of a sentence, the end of the world, um, all these kinds of things. But that it's a, a very interesting premise. Yeah. A very, very interesting book. I read that first issue and it's interesting to say the least. <laughs> Another book that Image put out this week was called Weird Work. Um, it's 
I, look, the solicit that I could find said it's L.A. Confidential crossed with Futurama. So if that doesn't sell you, I don't know what will. Definitely check that one out. I can't <laughs> imagine that in any way, shape, or form yeah. because I love Futurama. <laughs> and I know what L.A. Confidential is, and it's kind of like, wow. Yeah. Okay, a comedy lawyer <laughs> series? Yeah, you might want to check that one out, see what happens. I don't know. Looks looks interesting, to say the least. I like the cover art. Uh, over to DC, we had Night Terrors Batman, we had Night Terrors Black Adam, we had Night Terrors First Blood, Night Terrors Poison Ivy, Night Terrors Ravager, Night Terrors Joker, and Steelworks issue number two <laughs> with the first appearance of Silver Mist. Wait a minute, what happened to that one? I, I don't know, I don't know why we didn't get Steelworks Night Terrors. I mean, what's what's going on there? I was going to say, for a minute there you sounded like Oprah Winfrey. You get a Night Terror, you get a Night Terror, you get a Night Terror. I mean, look, everybody over in the DC Universe got Night Terrors this week, other than Steelworks. It just didn't happen, Steel's left out. I feel bad for him, it's just kind of sad, but... Who wouldn't want to see Shaq in the nightmare <laughs> world. I don't know. I feel like uh, there's got to be somebody out there who could maybe do like a fan copy or something, but uh, whatever. Uh, let's go over to Marvel. We've got Spider-Man 10. It's got the debut of a new Spider-Boy power. Of course, we're still talking about Spider-Boy in issue number 10 here. When are we ever going to get the origin and find out exactly who they are? I don't know. We've got Thor annual number one where Modok becomes Mythos because it was time for a name change. Why not? Uh, is it M period? Oh y yeah, yeah, period? of course, yeah. That's the only what way it stands to, for. It's the only way to do it. I, hell of I know. <laughs> <laughs> We've got Extreme Venomverse number four with the first appearance of Necro, aka Billy, the manga version of Venom. So we have a manga manga. I I never know how to pronounce that. that I say manga. Okay. Well, a manga version of Venom over there. And this was like the hot book of the week. If you got your hands on that one in 25 incentive, which I did, thank God. But yeah, you were, you were sitting nice. Um, it's slowly creeping up there. I think it dipped down to about a hundred dollars day of release. Now it's back up to like 150, 175. So we'll see if it can sustain, uh, but you never know with, with these spider characters. So we also got um, the first appearance of Flora, the plant-based symbiote, as well as Venom Noir in there. So three first appearances. Really cool. Captain America had Symbol of Truth, 750. Uh, again, I don't know how you justify the numbering here, but whatever. Um, it's got the origin. Legacy, man. Legacy. <laughs> yeah, I know, but, you know, it's it's got a it's got a subtitle. So come on, it's not Captain America. Uh, this has the origin of Sam's new shield. We also had Captain Marvel, Dark Tempest, number one, first appearance of Nada, and the reintroduction of Nitro. Thank God for that. We had Edge of Spider-Verse 4. The first solo Dream Spider story, as well as the first appearance of Uncle Ruckus, Bob's favorite character. We had Headline in there as well, J. Jonah Jameson as Spider-Man, as I talked about before. And we also got X-Men before the fall, Sinister Four with the origin of the four Mr. Sinister clones. Over from Scout Comics, we got E-Junkie as well as Magician's Rabbit. And from Mad Cave, Under the Influence, number one. And Bob, a comic that I wanted to mention from Opus, we got Gene Simmons' Dominatrix, number one. Oh! Now, who's, like, 
who's begging for Gene Simmons to write a comic book series? Isn't Gene Simmons like in his 80s now? Like what's going on there? Yes. <laughs> I mean, does, I, I don't know, with the exception of just like the novelty of Kiss in the 70s, like who cares about what Gene Simmons or anybody I else? I don't know. Have you seen doing? all the Kiss <laughs> Kiss products they put out over the years? Yeah, I know. I mean, we got that cool Marvel comic with their blood um, in the ink. So that's that's interesting, I guess, if... That's what you're into. Anyways, those are the new comics that came out this week. We'll be right back after a brief break, and then we'll go over Barnstormers number one. And we are back to talk about our comic book this week, our pick of the week, Barnstormers number one from Dark Horse Comics. Bob... This was certainly a book, and I want to talk about it, but first I'm going to read the solicit from Dark Horse's website. And please, I want you to give me this crazy look when I read this, because I'm going to go ahead and say off the bat, this doesn't really match up to what's going on in the book. Uh, Just wait till I read some of the names. But a high-flying World War II adventure story that's an intimate portrait of love and war and a meditation on... The dangerous level of trust required in both romance and aviation. It's 1918. No, it's not. It's 1927, so I don't know what the hell they're talking about. The early days of the barnstorming era, when pilots competed with each other by performing deadlier and more wondrous feats, as we've never seen it before. Pilot John Barron is back from the front lines of the war, where he was just injured at 18 years old. He's an adventurer who lives in his, sorry, who lives his traveling from town to town in his plane, entertaining folks across the country, most of whom have never seen a car, let alone a plane. His world changes when he meets Helen, a young woman who shares his passion for aviation and adventure. They become a traveling act flying from town to town, delighting folks with their antics. Helen becomes John's wing walker, climbing out onto the wing to perform mid-flight to, sorry, to perform death-defying. I'm, I'm just, it's so hard to read this because it doesn't match up the slightest bit. Along the way, <laughs> they bond, confessing their secrets and begin a romance in this lush character-driven series that explores the early days of aviation and the evolving relationship and romance between two young pilots. What did I just read? How how is that the solicit, Bob? That has did you nothing. Did you read this book? <laughs> yeah, I promise. That like what? Where did this come from? Who wrote the solicit for this? Who like, was Helen? <laughs> I'm pretty sure that the the character's name is Hawk, aka Bix. I don't know who John is. I don't know who Helen is because her name is Tilly. He was even talking about the <laughs> next year, Barnstorm, he's probably going to die. Uh-huh. And, and this took place, this started in, in 1927, so... The early days yeah. of Barnstorming. What's happening here? I, this it, it's, it's blowing my mind how that is a solicitor oh, that somebody it, it, came it, up with. I, I don't know if he looked over to me the whole time you were reading <laughs> it. I'm like... I was trying not to because it made me keep pausing and laughing, so I was trying really hard not to look over, but damn, that's... Uh, I Look, I'm just... I, I have no idea who wrote that solicit. I think that it it 100% has to be something to throw us off. Like, it's got to be. There's no way because that just doesn't make sense, and that's not what happens in this book. Let's talk about the creators for a second. Scott Snyder, of course, uh, famously known no for his work on needed. New 52 Batman... 
Swamp Thing, All Star Batman, Dark Knight's Metal, blah blah blah. American Vampire, we just talked about him. Just talked about him. Uh, I'm not going to go over all of Scott Snyder's titles because we would absolutely be here for four hours. Yes. But let's just hit some of the big ones. Batman, uh, Batman Eternal, American Vampire, Justice League, Undiscovered Country, Batman and Robin Eternal, Swamp Thing, Batman, All-Star Batman, Noctera, Detective. I could go on forever. I'm not going to. Anyways, he's he's got a lot clear also, which is one of the greatest horror series of all time. Night of the Ghoul, and I'm, I'm seriously going to stop. So, uh, yeah, just know that he's written all half of your favorite comics. So... There's that. Um, let's also talk about the artist of the book, Tula Lote, who I didn't realize until now was just her pen name. Her actual name is Lisa Wood. So, oh, okay. Yeah, I, I was expecting this, uh, I don't know, like French lady or something. She's actually English and her name is Lisa Wood. So, okay. uh, Tula Lote is definitely a cover artist. Uh, all of the work that I know her from is her cover art. She does a lot of cover art. She's one of those artists that you see kind of like Momoko or, or I don't know. You just almost every comic has got a Tula Lote cover to it somewhere in there. But she's a really great artist. I love her work a lot. It's a lot of fun. Some of the series that she actually worked on the interiors for Ever After from Fables, Swords of Sorrow, Rebels, Nancy Drew, Bodies, Safe Sex. And again, I could go on Tomb Raider, Faithless. But yeah, I won't. So so both prolific creators there. Tula Lote, not somebody you see super often in interiors, but but she's definitely doing it this time. So I'm going to go into my synopsis of the book, which might make a little bit more sense mm-hmm. than Dark Horses. Barnstormers, number one, or Barnstormers, that's so hard for me to say, Barnstormers, A Ballad of Love and Murder, Chapter 1, opens with a definition of barnstorming that reads, Barnstorming, a form of entertainment popular for a brief period in the 1920s wherein wayward pilots would impress spec- sorry, spectators with dangerous feats and of daring. The book opens proper with a biplane flying over North Carolina in May of 1927. We meet Hawk, the pilot of the plane, as he looks for a gaggle of people. Uh, gaggles, their word, not mine. Uh, a girl promised him that he doesn't see, so he thinks he might be lost. Just then, Hawk sees a huge crowd of people waving American flags and welcome, welcoming him. We go back three hours ago to Tennessee, where Hawk meets a phone operator, who he pays to get him a crowd that he was looking for by having her call over to the next town and drum up some excitement. As Hawk talks to her, he sees a large robot named Mr. Baby. Hawk lands at a wedding and ruins it, while he meets Tilly, who was the bride of the wedding. And... Sorry, I, I've uh, messed up on my writing a little bit there, so you have to excuse me. Uh, we learned that Hawk was chained up in her family's barn, and she's the one that freed him so he could get away. Tilly then pulls a gun on Hawk and demands to go with him on the plane while her family and fiancé search for them. Tilly asks Hawk, or now known as Bix, to join her as they assume fake identities and dress up and go to a fancy party to eat. And throughout this intercut is, is a story of Zeke and... Tilly's fiance, or sorry, Zeke, Tilly's fiance, who's hired the Pinkertons to find Hawk and his, get his bride back. Back to the party, Hawk is introduced to Mr. Rollinger as he takes Hawk to a dark room and shows him a massive neon light display. This triggers Hawk to think, thinking that he's being attacked by Mr. Baby, and Hawk knocks down Mr. Rollinger unconscious, and Tilly arrives 
They steal Mr. Hollinger's money, kiss, and seemingly make a plan to continue to steal from the rich, I don't know, like on adventures or something as the story ends. So, again, the difference in my solicit from that solicit, or, or sorry, my, my, I don't know, synopsis from that one. This is the book we read. Yeah, I'm, I'm so, so very confused. So, Scott Snyder, we have questions for you. Please come on the show. But, Bob, let's talk about the book for a minute. Uh, <laughs> this, this was a book. Uh, let's... A very long book. Yeah, and and since the book was so long, and since we have a great inter- interview for you at the end of this, we're going to condense it down. We're not going to break it down into the individual things like we normally do, um, but I think that it will work perfectly for this book. So let's just talk about the story altogether, the story beats, the story narrative, dialogue, and world building. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and start by saying. I hated this the first time I read it. I really couldn't get into it, and I thought it was actually bad. I'm not a huge fan of like this type of period piece that takes place in this time. It's usually like a little too cliched for me, and I just don't agree with it. I think it was nicely done here. I like it. I like the nuance of it. I like the characters' voices, and that's really what I was scared of, especially when I opened the book and it starts talking about gaggle of people and things like that. I didn't want to hear all of that relevant slang from the 1920s, but it didn't lean into it too much and I was okay with it. Um, this story throws some really, really weird curveballs yeah, that I'm really confused about. And I, I'm guessing that's the purpose, but I think that we are either one supposed to think that Bix has some bad PTSD mm-hmm. and that's why he was in the mental institution. That's why he broke out and that's why he keeps seeing Mr. Baby uh, in places where he shouldn't, or he's actually seeing Mr. Baby, and <laughs> I, I, I don't know where to go with this. Yeah, the whole thing with Mr. Baby was like, okay, they, <laughs> I mean, that was that was too advanced for back then, mm-hmm. so what is this supposed to be? Yeah, what's going on And here? then it's kind of like, why did we exactly need that scene with the telephone operator? Yeah, I agree with you. When I went and reread it, because first I read this book the night before, then I read it again the next day, and I kept thinking, I I completely forgot about the fiancé part. I thought that Tilly and the operator were the same person, and then I was like, oh yeah, they're not. (laughs) I kind of thought that, I kind of thought that at first, too. Yeah, um, it, it it was a little odd, especially to... I don't know, have so much about the operator in here. Definitely, if it was just for him to meet her, throw her some money and have her call over to the next town. I mean, we didn't need like four pages of her, but but yeah, it's it's interesting. Maybe she'll come back up. Um, maybe that's why there was such an introduction to her there. I'm not sure, but I don't know. This one, it, it's just, it's weird. And I, I feel like, here's my take on it. There's got to be some more to Mr. Baby there. There definitely has to be. It can't just straight up be PTSD because otherwise we're just reading a... a, a we're reading a diary. Yeah, and, and we're just reading a romance comic, like, you know, like from World War II, like, no. Like, yeah, like an old school pulpy yeah. romance novel. Yeah, so it's, I mean, it's Scott Snyder. I don't think he's going to pitch us a straight up 1920s no, romance no, novel. Um, no one's Scott Snyder, no. Yeah, that's, I don't, I don't think that can happen. So I think that there's got to be some more to Mr. Baby going on here. I'm just not sure what it is. Anyways, the, again, the beats work there it's a little slow at times for me but i feel like they work the narrative does work um i was scared of it at first again that 1920s dialogue and narrative i i wasn't too sure about but it did work the dialogue worked the world building worked everything worked here uh 
fine. Scott Snyder absolutely knows how to write a story. It just, it was a little bit of a slow burn for me. And I have to say, if we weren't reading it for this podcast, I mean, I probably would have put the book down halfway through. So, well, and I, and I, and I gotta say that the, the thing that just, I mean, I, I didn't think the book was bad, uh-huh. but the whole interspersing between, you know, Zeke's story uh-huh, uh-huh. and, you know, um, Bix's story, it was, it was kind of like, I'm sorry, Scott, but <laughs> we just focus on one person's story here. I agree. We needed a little bit of focus. It was a little hard. This is definitely like, I think I used this term a little while ago when we talked about a book, and I can't remember exactly which one now, but it's it's very cinematic. This is a... I feel like I'm watching a movie. Oh yeah, you get. I mean, you you could definitely see a Netflix series made out of just this one issue. Well, shit. I mean, I'm seeing like you know Leonardo DiCaprio in the lead role. You know, like something that level. Like this is this is probably pretty big. But you know, we could probably. Uh, I guess if we wanted to, they're too old now. But you could bring back Leo and Kate and do a Titanic reunion you know, and make this movie. You know, it's <laughs> funny you mention that because that's exactly the vibe I got yep. when the. You know, wife runs off with Biggs, uh-huh, yep. and the husband, you know, hires somebody to chase her. It's yeah, like, exactly. I'm thinking to myself, this seems oddly <laughs> familiar. Didn't they do this almost 30 years ago? Yeah. Yeah, this this feels a lot like Titanic. I'll, I'll give you that. Um, I just, I know it's it's got to have some supernatural element to it. Yeah, right. Is my only thoughts. Let's talk about the art then. Let's move over to Tula Lote's art. Uh, and, and this... I, it's going to be hard. I, I know there's more credits in here than just Tula, so right. let me give credit where credit is due. Yeah, please give, please give the color credit. Yeah, we have D. Cunefi, uh, I'm going to go with. Uh, I, I think that's good enough. Hopefully I got that name close enough. I, I'm not close sure. Close enough. Yeah. Um, and then the letters by Richard Starking, so... Or the letters by Richard Sarking, sorry. So yeah, there there are other creators involved here, but yeah, let's talk about Tula. Um, Tula again, a very very famous cover artist, very big on their watercolors and everything. It's very photorealistic looking. Uh, I I don't know um, pictures that that Tula paints and, and all of that. My first impression of Tula was, I think, on the Faithless series, which, I mean, that's a very not-safe-for-work book, but um, but if you're familiar with Faithless, you know what I'm talking about. But, but yeah, just some really, really great art there, some really great depictions and everything. Um, I, as far as the characters in this book, I, I feel like they look wonderful. I do, sadly, want to see a little bit more grit to it, though it's too realistic for me. Like, again, I feel like I'm watching a movie and not reading a comic book. It almost feels like somebody took pictures of these things and just laid those out on the page, right. which is a testament to Tula's art. Like it's very, very, very good, yeah. very precise. Yeah. But I don't know. It's a little too clean for me. I don't know. To me, it worked just because of the fact that you know they're just coming out mm-hmm. of the war, obviously, yep. and you know it's a more prosperous time. Yep. So the, I mean, it's the art is being shown. That it's not. So gritty that, you know, you have to have, like, you know, it's just, like, uh, it's just, like, um, dark, and, you know, there's all these bad events going on. Mm-hmm. 
but at the same time, you know, it's not light and airy, so it still shows there's a little... So to me, there's still enough of that grittiness, mm -hmm. but it's not just totally like, okay, you're in the middle of wartime gritty. Yeah, I, I, I don't know, man. It's something about the photorealism here that just doesn't work for mm -hmm. me. I, I really love Toulouse's I think she's phenomenal, but I, I just... Mm. I, it, I don't know. I, for some reason, it didn't translate that great for me. Uh, how about the... Uh, again, we're, we're going to group this all in one here. We're going to try to make this pretty condensed. But the locations, backgrounds, and colors, then... Um, I feel like the locations really work. The backgrounds don't stick out in my mind too well. I mean, I, I don't feel like we get a lot of backgrounds. It's it's more abstract. Uh, it's absolutely more abstract than, than anything else I can think of that we've done before. But the backgrounds that are there, like the barn house and... Uh, the woods and everything look good. It's just, it's focused on the characters and everything else is right. more abstract. Um, and then the colors, I, I feel like the colors pop. They look good. They work well with the way that Tula illustrates here. Uh, to, me, to me, the colors were a great part of this book. Yeah. That's why I wanted you to <laughs> give a shout out to the colorist. Yeah. Um, because it, it, it was, it was the, the, not totally drowned out sepia mm -hmm. tone colors, but you know, just not as vibrant. So again, it to me it just adds to yep. that, you know, semi grittiness. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the the colors do work well here. It's just, I'm I'm wondering if, I don't know. I, uh, again, something about the photorealism here just kind of clashes for the story right. for me. I wanted to. I don't know, maybe a little more cartoony or something. I, I'm, I'm not too sure. Let's let's go ahead and ask the important question then, Bob. Are you going to continue on issue number two? Is this something that you see yourself reading next month? For me, this is just weird enough for me to go to number <laughs> it, two. Yeah, it works for you to know uh, want to know what's going on. I'm with you. I think it's, it's going to be hard. I'm not going to be as excited as I was about something like Danny Ketch Ghost Rider or right. World Tree or right. some of the other books that we've talked about where we really had to know what was going to happen on the next issue. But I do want to know how this unfolds. I'm a little scared that they're going to take a really, really long time to tell the story. It's going to be such a slow burn. And then we're going to find out that he's just a little crazy and, and that's what's going on. I hope that that's not the take, but... Again, it's Scott Snyder, so I, I do have faith. So it's going to be one of those, if you get it, you get it. If you don't, yeah, no big deal. Yeah, exactly. Um, gotcha. I'm, I'm going to grab issue number two. It's not going to be at the top of my uh, reading right. pile, but I, I definitely want to crack it open and see what happens. Right. It's going to have to move me in that second issue to continue on issue number three, though I can say that. Uh, but with that being said, uh, yeah, that's that me and Bob will definitely be picking up issue number two. So... You guys can go ahead and look out for that in your local comic book shops as well. We will be right back after this brief break. And we are back to talk about some new comic books that are coming out next week in your local comic book shops. Bob, what do you got for them? And again, before I start, this is where the disclaimer <laughs> comes back. Disclaimer some of these books time. may not come out. And again, these are just a few of the books off of uh, the the Key Collectors app. Yes, and nothing from Scout, so I think you're okay. Yes. Go for it, Bob. So first we have a third printing of Spider-Man number seven. That's right. Get your Spider-Boy third printing out of the way. What's next? Uh, a book 
everybody may want to pick up Moon Knight number 25. No, I don't know, man. With that $9.99 cover price, we'll see how many sell. But it does have a first appearance of... A character from the TV show. Yeah, somebody who becomes the third <laughs> Scarlet Scarab. Not going to try to say that, man. Uh, we have Marvel, Miles Morales, Spider-Man number 8. We have from Marvel, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. From DC, we have Oral's Finest Teen Titans number one. Yes, a book that Bob's very excited about. Oh, that was hard to say. <laughs> okay, and from DC, we have <laughs> Night Terror, Shazam. First appearance of Captain Nightmare. Night Terror is Zatanna. First appearance of the Sleepless Queen and Rustbringer. Night Terror is the Flash. A two-issue limited series. <laughs> Night Terror's Robin. The first appearance of Nightmare Robins. Night Terror's Green Lantern. A two-issue limited series. And then Night Terror's number one. Oh, wow. This one's an event tie-in. Yes. <laughs> uh, going back to Marvel, we have Web of Carnage number one. A one-shot in the aftermath of the Carnage Reigns event. Uh, sticking with Marvel, we have X-Men Days of Future Past Doomsday number one. A four-issue prequel to the classic Days of Future Past story arc told in X-Men 141 and 142. Sticking with Marvel, we have Fallen Friend number one. And this is just more of the death of my beloved Camilla Khan. I don't even know if I can look at that one. <laughs> and then we have Amazing Spider-Man number 29, which has a... Disney 100 variant cover. Yes, a nice black and white of Captain Marvel with, uh, what's her name? Uh, Minnie Mini. Mouse. There we go. <laughs> uh, we have a new What If, What If Dark Loki number one. A one-shot tale in one of Asgard's worst days and one of Loki's best. Going back to DC, we have Unstoppable Doom Patrol number four. Man, the first appearances do not stop in the Unstoppable Doom Patrol. This has the first appearance of Metal Woman. I think there's been one every <laughs> Yeah, every so single far. time, yep. And then finally from Image, we have Savage Dragon number 266. A new story arc begins in San Francisco with new friends and foes. Wow, Savage Dragon is back. That's right, kids. Get your Savage Dragon now. Here's hoping for heavy flow. <laughs> well, you can always hope for heavy flow and see what happens, <laughs> I guess. Uh, <laughs> Bob, let's talk about what book we're going to cover next week. That's right. We have our lovely wheelofnames.com wheel here to spin off three names that we have chosen to cover for you guys next week and see which one wins. We have Sirens of the City. World's Finest Teen Titans, as well as Fish Flies, number one. That's right, Jeff Lemire's new image book. Let's see which one wins the prize of being discussed by Bob and I next week. It looks like we are covering Sirens of the City, issue number one. Uh, it's got a very nice... Uh, I, no, Ginny uh, Frizen, there we go. Ginny <laughs> Frizen cover on it. Um, so I'm at least excited about that. Should be a fun book. We'll be right back. Hello and welcome back to the all new, all different number one comics podcast. This is episode number 26. We are talking to two very amazing, talented creators here. We have Lonnie Nadler and Jenna Chaw on. Hello, you guys. Thank you so much for taking some time out of your day to speak to us. Yeah, thanks Hi. for having us. Looking yeah, thanks for having to, us. To chatting. And yeah. Nice to meet you guys. Nice mm -hmm. to be here. Yeah, very good to meet you guys. Um, we're definitely excited to talk about uh, you guys' newest project, um, which is The Sickness from Uncivilized Books. 
Uh, we, of course, want to go into some other things as well, but uh, I'd like to definitely ask, like, right off the bat, Lonnie, how did you get involved in writing? Like, where did you start in writing? And then, of course, Jenna, I want to go to you with art as well. So, yeah, my journey writing has been um, interesting in that I've written in a lot of different mediums. Mm -hmm. But since I was a kid, like I, I remember reading a, there's a Roald Dahl book called The Twits mm -hmm. uh, that was illustrated by Quentin Blake. And I was like, I don't know, seven years old. <laughs> and I remember loving it and bringing it to my parents and being like, this is what I want to do. Like I want to write and draw the pictures. Yep. Um, and that kind of, it didn't really leave. I, I didn't, you know, as I got older and as I became a teenager, I didn't think that was a viable <laughs> career really. Mm -hmm. So I had other things that I was like, oh, maybe I'll be a lawyer or something. <laughs> something that pays a lot of money. Yeah, yeah but but it, the desire to write and, and do creative stuff never left me. And so went to university for, I studied philosophy and English. And that's when I started taking writing more seriously. I was mm -hmm. writing short stories. I was writing comic book reviews and movie reviews for a website. And then after that, I started taking courses in um uh, writing fiction and as all that was going on is i was also still making zines that i was drawing and writing myself or or with friends and after about a year of, of taking that pretty seriously i was like i don't want to be a lawyer <laughs> i want to do this <laughs> uh so yeah i just continued in school went to film school for a while was in the film industry was doing documentary work and all this time I was still working on comics as I was journalism was kind of paying my bills for a while mm -hmm. and then uh it's 2017 I think 2016 started making like real pitches for comics and I was like okay I gotta start sending stuff to publishers if I want this to actually happen and made some really crazy pitches that in <laughs> hindsight uh, nobody should have ever greenlit. <laughs> uh, but, you know, thankfully, Black Mask uh, at the time was looking for transgressive stuff. And the mm -hmm. fact that I, me and, and Zach, who was my, my, I wrote a bunch of this stuff with, was also a journalist. And they liked that we had that as part of our background. Mm -hmm. And so they took a risk on it. And um, yeah, just have tried not to stop publishing comics ever since then and it's it's worked out so far but yeah writing has been a part of my life since i was really really young awesome and you jenna what how, how did you begin where where did you get involved in art and then comics as well and all of that um yeah i i grew up um reading a lot of uh newspaper comics mm -hmm. um my obsession as a child was Calvin and Hobbes <laughs> okay. um and uh and like just kind of the general world of of uh like uh newspaper strips and stuff and as I as I do more of these podcasts and I answer this question I'm like learning more and more about myself <laughs> as I'm like saying it all out loud it and I, I like, yeah yeah right <laughs> I'm like I've, I've been like slowly psychoanalyzing myself throughout <laughs> the interview process of of promoting the sickness so mm -hmm. i i always would say like it's funny that i loved calvin hobbs as a kid because my work could be um it can't be more different than, <laughs> than that style now sure. um 
but I'm realizing like comic strips, especially Calvin and Hobbes are some of the most, like some of the purest forms of the comic language mm -hmm. in terms of uh, sequencing um, and the, you know, the, the, the manipulation of, of time and space and movement and stuff. So, you know, it makes sense that that something like newspaper strips would, um, you know, inspire any, any comic lover to, to get into that stuff. So um, I, it wasn't until, well, first it wasn't until 2003 when, or 2002, when the first Sam Raimi Spider-Man came out, mm -hmm. when I was introduced to superhero comics. And then that, um, that kind of opened up the world to me outside of newspaper comics. Um, and throughout all of this, I've, I'm always drawing my own comics, mm -hmm. like, like I have like reams and reams and reams of wasted computer paper, <laughs> much to my family's chagrin of, of stupid little cartoons that I do. Um, and then the next like major phase in my, in my comic life was when I accidentally stumbled upon Uzumaki by mm -hmm. Junji Ito when I was in middle school. And that, that comic is literally a printed out page a page of Uzumaki printed out by one of my friends that she took to school one day. And just <laughs> wow. that one page, like I can't put into words how badly it, it traumatized me, but it did. <laughs> um, and I didn't get over my, my fear of Junji Ito until I was in my, I don't know, mid twenties. So, uh, <laughs> so I've always, I kind of had these, you know, phases of, of comics and all the while I'm constantly drawing like, the, the only the only um thing i was ever interested in or good at was was uh was was drawing in any any capacity um still still any the only thing i've ever been really good at um i i knew i knew early on that i didn't have it in me to be a lawyer so i didn't even entertain <laughs> that idea ever um and then uh as i was taking uh community college classes um I was in community college for three years trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Um, I wanted to be a filmmaker, a photographer. At some point I wanted to be a novelist. Um, I was kind of bouncing between all of these things. Uh, namely, I wanted to be a filmmaker mm -hmm. because it never, it never occurred to me that comics was even a, an option, even though it was something that I loved very, very deeply uh, my whole life. Um, it wasn't until I, in one of my classes, um, my, one of my community college drawing classes, my teacher doubled as a comic instructor. And mm -hmm. I was like, what? You can take a class for comics? That's crazy. And after that, um, I discovered the Minneapolis College of Art and Design, which uh, has a comic course, which you can get a degree in. And that was like, wow, you can get a degree in comics? That's crazy. Yes. Um, and I think and Minneapolis College of Art and Design was, a, was one of the few uh, colleges that had a, um, you can get a course in comics. Um, I don't know if that's like getting more popular now or, or not. But um, yeah, weirdly, it wasn't until I realized that colleges took comics seriously to some degree mm -hmm. when I decided this is uh, something that I wanted to do. Um, so I went to Minneapolis College of Art and Design um, with the intention of uh, getting my degree in illustration, 
because that was quote unquote better for my resume. And then I would take all of the comic classes so that I can do the thing that I wanted to do, even though I knew that probably wasn't good for my uh, career. Uh, still, still isn't really, still, it's not really a viable career, but anyway. Um, <laughs> but then once, like my first year, I took a comic course and I was like, okay, fuck it. I'm going to get a degree in comics. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. so that's what happened. Well, that's very cool. I can I, I can only imagine uh, being able to go to school for comics, you know, being able to to kind of like major in comic book creating and all of that. Mm -hmm. uh, I look, I'm not familiar enough with uh, manga or manga. I never say that correctly either. So I, I'm, I'm always the person that says that the incorrect way. But uh, <laughs> but I am very familiar with who you're talking about whenever you, you said you had that printout. Um, you'll have to tell me the name again, because I'll uh, Junji Ito. Okay, good. Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll let you say that because I don't okay. <laughs> but yes, uh, but yeah, I, I I appreciate the fact that you brought that up. Um, and and again, not knowing much about manga or manga, um, I I again am familiar with that creator. I've read a few things, see, seen a few things here and there. I have, and and this has been you know discussed. I'm I'm not. It's not like I'm uh, discovering anything new here or anything like that. But um. But there is some stylized elements in here that kind of remind me of some of that. There um, uh, aspects of the storytelling, the the slow burn, the unfolding, and everything of the sickness that seem at, at the very least inspired. Um, definitely not. Uh, you know, this is its own thing. I mean, it's not like uh, you know either of you is is taking anything from that. But but yeah, maybe somewhat inspired. Um, so I assume maybe you're a little bit into that as well, Lonnie. Uh, Oh, yeah. I, I read Junji Ito's mm -hmm. stuff when I was in, I don't remember if it was when I was in, at the end of high school or the beginning of university. Popular than it is. <laughs> oh, I thought so you were going to say, amazing. why is this stuff so popular? Because the <laughs> no. translations were so bad. <laughs> no, it, it didn't matter. Like, I thought the stories were like bizarre, but mm -hmm. but the... Um, it's a Junji Ito sticker. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, on your, on your cup there. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, and, and it was it was just kind of like a whoa, horror comics can be really scary and mm -hmm. evocative and slow and moody. And I, I actually now prefer at least my memory of the fan translations to some of the actual translations because <laughs> mm. they feel like very cleaned up now. But oh, I, I liked the almost disconnected dreaminess of yeah. the, how I initially read a lot. Yeah, of yeah, yeah. Yeah, those are they're they're very interesting, and like you guys said, they're. They're pretty terrifying. Um, there's not like a lot of times that I can think when when reading, you know, sequential art, when reading, you know, at least American comics or whatever, that I'm reading a horror book and I'm like genuinely terrified. Uh, it's it's <laughs> more, you know, a little bit more mainstream than that or whatever. Usually that doesn't happen, but yeah, absolutely. in that stuff, it, it's it's pretty terrifying. It's pretty pretty crazy sometimes the stuff that's put out. Um, and and again, like going back to to the sickness here it does have that slow burn to it and everything, but this has, I mean, how, how you guys were able to create jump scares in the comic book, like completely <laughs> just blows my mind. That's not something that's really synonymous with the storytelling uh, in a comic book. And, and you guys absolutely achieved that here. So um, props to you guys, but yeah, oh, I, I just, 
I would hate to read this like, you know, when I'm home alone and it's like a dark, you know, it's like midnight or something. I'm like, all right, I'm going to turn it. I'm going to read this comic book and go to bed. You're not going to bed. Like it's, it's not, it's a terrifying comic. Uh, it's, it's very scary. So thank you. Yeah, That's you, really nice. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You guys I, definitely accomplished that. So. I, I, yeah, I just want to, I don't, I, if this, we'll talk about Junjito for the whole thing if we if someone, someone needs to cut us off but this is the last thing i'll, I'll say no, i no, remember um junji ito has uh that like kind of jump scare quality where mm -hmm. you you turn the page and then in your face is like a fucking like you know horrifying image um uh -huh. <laughs> i remember oh my god it was yeah i was i was like in my mid twenties, like I was in school, um, it was the first Genji Ito book I bought with my own money. Like before then, I couldn't, I literally couldn't read Genji Ito books because I'd be too scared. So I, I'd like uh -huh. read them in bits and pieces because I loved the art. Um, mm -hmm. And like on Google Images, I would look up Genji Ito art, and then after two minutes, I'd get like fight or flight terror, <laughs> and I'd have to close the whole. I'd have to shut down the computer and like walk out my my house i remember but i remember when i bought the book um i was so scared of turning the page that i would like hold out my book in front of me like at arm's distance and like kind of tilt the book up and then turn the page so that i couldn't really see like i would like hold it kind of like this like at arm's length and like look away as i turned the page just because so, i didn't want to get like hit with a scary image <laughs> Yeah, there's there's some horrifying stuff in there. Like I said, I mean, it's 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 an accomplishment to 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 make something like a comic book or or a manga or a manga, however you correctly say that, and 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 really accomplish that terrifying feel. I think that that's that's just an accomplishment that not a lot of people can do. But yeah, like you mm -hmm. said, Junji uh, Ito. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Let's um, let's call it let's call it um, manga. <laughs> Okay, manga. Man, manga, man, manga <laughs> nice. like man, yeah. man, like M A, like let's go right in the middle between yeah, okay, manga okay, good, and manga. Good. Let's go. Manga. I'm gonna get so many emails and comments. <laughs> yeah. Either way, they're gonna be like, "Listen, <laughs> here's how you say." It. But um, but yeah, uh, to to evoke that just in 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 your storytelling, in your illustration, and then in your storytelling is just an amazing feat. So I definitely give you guys a lot of props for that. Um. I'm, I'm going to bounce back and forth, but I have like a, this will probably be an oddball question for you guys. Feel free to elaborate as much or as little as possible, but. Um, we like oddball questions. It's good because there's, there's some, I mean, I, I don't know, this oh, might not be one, but uh, is, is there a dream project out there? Is there, is there anything? And, and when I say dream project, because the answer everybody gives me when I say this is like, yeah, to have my own creator own stuff. That's not what I'm looking for. <laughs> <laughs> you got to give me like, yeah, I, I want Spider-Man over it. You know, like I, I want like that kind of answer. Like, is there is there anything, you know, established that's a dream project um, for mm -hmm. either of you or, or you guys together? Um, anything like that? That's just something you, you've always dreamed of working on. Um, I mean... It, my opinion on it has like changed a lot over the sure. years. Um, mm -hmm. So when I was doing Marvel work, it, it was like when I was a kid, like X-Men was everything to me. <laughs> yeah, <likewise. And> so, <laughs> yeah. So getting to write X-Men comics was mm -hmm. like, seriously, like a, it was like, holy shit, I can't believe this is <laughs> happening. My, uh -huh. you know, my childhood self would 
die if he knew that I would get to write X-Men when I was older. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was a, a pretty big dream come true. It, it came with a lot of restraints because, you know, Marvel is a big company and they have Absolutely. stuff uh, that they want to accomplish. So I, I wouldn't say I got to like tell the exact X-Men story that I, I wanted, but to mm-hmm. be able to write characters that I grew up loving, like Storm and Magneto and, uh, and Nate Gray was like, yeah, it was, it was almost a surreal experience. And just having, being able to write those characters and immediately know their voices was something I'd never experienced writing before because mm-hmm. all my other stuff was creator owned until then. Uh, so that was super cool. And now there's there's not a whole lot of projects like that that I have in mind. Um, I, I think the one that, that I've got is like, I think I've got a pretty good Superman story and oh, I don't wow. even like Superman <laughs> that much, but I've got a really good Superman pitch uh, that, you know, maybe one day will happen. I agree. It's very good. Uh, gets so, my approval yeah we'll see wow, but we, I used to I used to want to like, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, I used to want to write like I, I grew up loving Animal Man and Swamp Thing oh god yeah two of my favorite characters <laughs> ever in DC yeah and, and like you know th- that was a dream for me to be able to like I wanted to make that stuff mm-hmm. but now I'm like but I could never reach the heights of more or morrison mm-hmm. and i'm like i don't even i think i would just be sad <laughs> trying to write those characters because mm-hmm. i would never live up to those expectations uh so i i, I would never want to write characters that i have that much of a love for but there's some other ones that mm-hmm. i like superman where i didn't grow up liking superman but now mm-hmm. i'm like okay i think i could do something unique there so mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that a lot. That Bob and I were just talking a little while ago about um, one of my favorite characters is Man Thing, actually from Marvel. So, uh, has been for a really long time, and um, we were discussing different uh, authors and, and stuff like that. And I let Bob know that R.L. Stein wrote a uh, a Man Thing mini, and, and he didn't know about that. And I kind of went over the story with what? him. I'm like, yeah, That's it's, awesome. It's, it's really fun, but it's like it's it's a oh, huge wow. swing. And it's a miss, but it's a huge oh, swing. And I'm like, yeah. that's what you got to do. You know, if, if you're going to come in and write Man-Thing as R.L. Stein, you can't, you can't just write like a Steve Gerber, like Man-Thing story. Like you gotta, you gotta aim high. And, and it was off the wall and very weird, but um, it was his take on it. And, and, and I can appreciate it for that, but yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Um, so how about you, Jenna? Is there anything that, I don't know. I I don't, I can't off the top of my head. I can't really Mm -hmm. think of like IP necessarily. Mm -hmm. Um, Like a dream IP. Mm -hmm. Um, I have like my own impossible ideas that um, I would want that I know aren't impossible. I have, (laughs) this is rant. I have um, an idea for a comic that I really want to do. Do you guys listen to dead Kennedy's? Yes. Or do you know? I have my dream project is to do a comic based around the song um, Cesspools in Eden. Okay. Because it's, uh, and it would be set in California because I'm from, I'm from California. Mm-hmm. And so um, my like uh, nostalgia for California, I'm realizing at this point in my life has a lot to do with realizing how much of California is about like pollution <laughs> and um like pervasive like garbage dumps and like mm-hmm. 
just like nuclear waste sites and stuff like that. So I really connect to a song like Cesspools and Eden. <laughs> and so my dream is to do a song based on or to, to do a comic based on that where I would get Jello Biafra to co-write it. Oh, and and so he would cool. get these like, and he would have these like inserts of like deranged monologues of like <laughs> and like spoken word madness like in mm -hmm. between chapters or whatever. Um, never gonna happen, but you know, <laughs> I, I mean, can, I can dream. <laughs> you can't say never. There, there's a huge possibility it could happen. I, I know yeah, a guy. One of my friends. Uh, one of my friends uh, did a comic for uh, Melvin's. Oh wow! Like he he was like Very he cool. was like you know collabing with. Um, with like buzzo and stuff i was like how the fuck did you do that <laughs> yeah. and he, i think he just like <laughs> he just talked to, he just met like a a guy who worked at their label or something at a yeah. bar and they just like started chatting about shit and it's like oh you could just do that <laughs> so now I, <laughs> yeah. now i'm kind of just want to like reach out to alternative tentacles and be like hey fuck it you know what's the worst thing that happened just show up at somewhere that jello biafra is and, and yeah you know, well just san kinda... francisco <laughs> dude i'm going to san francisco in like a week and a yeah, half like yeah yeah oh, I didn't know oh yeah oh and mike Patton. Oh, they no, both live there didn't Jello Biafra run for mayor at some point? Yeah, uh -huh. he did. Yep. <laughs> I, I remember that. Yeah. So th look, this could be the uh, the the first ramblings of uh, of a comic book that's about to come out, and we're just learning about it now here on the all new all different <laughs> comics podcast. So exclusive first, right here. Yeah. When it gets published, you owe me and Bob a signed copy. Okay, no problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's mail. Cool. <laughs> awesome. Um, uh, another question that has to do with somewhere in the same realm there um are there any characters or publishers that are like that would be completely off limits for either of you um whether it be for i don't know um you know just personal reasons or 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 whatever hmm. in terms of characters i mean there's probably a lot i wouldn't <laughs> touch with a 10 football but mm -hmm. you know those are are mostly like um i'm trying to think of an example but there's just characters I know absolutely nothing about and mm -hmm. I would not even want to try because I know the fan base exists and yes. I wouldn't want to like, I don't know. I wouldn't want to piss people off. Mm -hmm. um, I, I see the the Hulk poster behind you, Bob. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't think I got a Hulk story. <laughs> <laughs> um, and in terms of publishers, like I, to be fully transparent, there's there's a lot I wouldn't work with. And mm -hmm. that's strictly based on stuff like the way I know they run their business operation operations and their contracts. Um where I'm I'm at a point in my career where I'm not interested in working for pennies or working mm -hmm. for exposure or working for publishers whose line of books I, I don't find merit in. So mm -hmm. Uh, without naming names yeah there's uh i thankfully am at a point in my career where i can be somewhat picky about who i'm working with mm -hmm. yeah that's how i interpreted the question too <laughs> like yeah, sure. what is a hard no <laughs> for <laughs> publishers you'd work with and i and i agree with lonnie on that um on that sentiment also won't name names um yeah sure uh but my i, I so i just started reading um the elric books Okay. Uh, Michael Moorcock and mm -hmm. um, those books are so unbelievably good and um, I'm realizing it's like so immediately obvious just how influential they were mm -hmm. to the world of fantasy um, in every single piece of media um, 
And I'm surprised that Elric hasn't been um, made into like a fucking Amazon show yet or whatever. <laughs> but because they're because now it's just like you're just going down the line of, you know, famous fantasy IP. Yep. Um, Elric is so good and so fucking weird and so trippy and like psychedelic that if if I found out it would be made into a movie or TV show. Or even a comic. Like, I know um, there was a comic. Yeah, cool. that, well, there was like a... Was There's it a P, P. Craig Russell? For a long time. But who's like, what's like the really trip? I think it's P. Craig Russell yeah, or something. Or Steve yeah. Bissett or one There's of those guys. Ones, yeah. yeah, those are cool because they're just as trippy mm-hmm. and, and psychedelic and weird um, as the books. But yeah, the, the, day, the day I find out it's like a Netflix show <laughs> or an HBO show or an Amazon show, I'm like... I'm leaving this planet. (laughs) I am off the grid officially. It's like, don't come near me with that shit. That is for the books and for comics, but not for TV show. Yeah. Well, sadly, I'm sure at some point they'll try to. Oh, definitely. Yes. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, It's not already happening right now. Soon to be. Um. Yeah. Starring starring Henry Cavill. (laughs) Probably. (laughs) If you can't be Superman, well, at least. Um, Yeah. I. I want to ask you guys, and correct me if I'm wrong. This is just you know stuff you read on the internet, so um, so you guys would have the Uh-oh. authority on this. But uh, I, I've heard that you guys shopped around the sickness to like multiple publishers, and and a lot of them didn't want the long form. Or, or let me be fair. Let me not say they didn't want, but they they didn't know if they would be able to sell it in like the long form that you guys presented it in. That they wanted you to condense it down, maybe like, but. Of course, that they really love the story because how how could they not? But they didn't weren't particularly keen on like selling it in that way. Um, so, how did you guys end up at uh, Uncivilized? I mean, I'm guessing it's probably because they didn't want to compromise your vision at all. But uh, <laughs> and and like, what can you tell us about that experience? Because we do have a good amount of listeners that are aspiring creators and stuff. So we like to get whatever insight we can. Uh, pass along to them yeah for sure i think it's an important discussion because nobody really talks about like there's advice for pitching but nobody really talks about like the process of it Mm -hmm. and how it works um uh, i think it might have been a little bit misrepresented elsewhere but we so we brought the the pitch to uh three other publishers in total Mm -hmm. uh one of which sat on it for a long time and they liked it, but yeah, it, it was eventually kind of a, we don't know if this can work and sustain mm-hmm. itself for 14 issues. So we brought it to a second publisher and it was the same thing where they liked it, but it was, okay, can you do this in five issues? Mm-hmm. And we were like, no, <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> okay. I maybe understand asking to go from 14 to 12, but mm-hmm. to go from, 14 to four or five we were like that's crazy we're not we can't do that um and then we brought it to another publisher uh to an editor that i I worked with previously and they liked it but um unfortunately some uh stuff happened that yeah some stuff happened and that editor ended up leaving the publisher um so we were just kind of like we were at a point where we were running out of places we wanted to bring it because we wanted to maintain ownership of the work. Uh, so that kind of limited our, our options. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we were at a, I was like, I had been saying we should bring it to uncivilized from the beginning because mm-hmm. I knew 
Jenna knew Tom who runs Uncivilized. Uh, and he's always said to Jenna, like the doors open whenever you want to pitch something. But Jenna always was hesitant because she felt that our work or her work in particular was not quote unquote artistic enough for the, for what Uncivilized publishes. Cause they, you know, typically publish a lot of auto bio and a lot of more indie stuff. Like, you know, it's like, uh, Noah Van Skyver and, uh, <clears throat> Gabrielle Bell and like, you know, these amazing lauded cartoonists. Mm -hmm. And so our work is the sickness is weird. Cause it's like, it's not that it doesn't fit into that camp, but it's also not exactly the same as that kind of stuff. Um, but for you, me, you can I, say you can say the same for quote unquote mainstream comics. Too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I was just like, I would just kept pushing Jenna and I was like, can we please just bring this to Tom? I'm I'm an extremely stubborn person. <laughs> yeah. And, Fair and yeah, and I and I spiral. Like, yeah. like Uzumaki. <laughs> Eventually we brought it to Tom and I think it was just a few days later he he emailed us back and was like, "Yep, yeah, this looks good." Uh we had a call with him the next week and he didn't even like the 14 issues was not a problem with him. He was like, yeah, we're looking for something longer format because mm -hmm. Ginseng Roots was coming to an end. Yep. Uh, and he was like, we want something else to fill that kind of long format book in our catalog. So it was like good timing that it worked out. Uh, and, and Tom was always just kind of, yeah, do whatever you want. Like, I like the book. I trust you. Clearly the first issue is good. So I, I have no doubt you'll continue to hold up the quality and um, there's not a lot of publishers that put that trust in their creatives uh, to not put their fingers in everything. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's, it's been really rewarding for us to, to do it this way. Yeah, I can imagine, um, especially being able to circle back around to the publisher that maybe you like originally intended for it has to be a really cool feeling as well. And then they're the one publishing. Uh, another question about that that I have is, how do you guys feel knowing that you know it, it was it was kind of shopped around a little bit people didn't or, or at least some publishers you know maybe wanted to condense it down a little bit tell your story in a different way kind of compromise your vision and everything and now at this point it's it's on everybody's top 10 list it's it's on everybody's top 20 it's like uh, i mean it's got to be at least pretty rewarding at least a, a good like told you so like just trust feels me feels <laughs> good yeah. I, yeah, I, I really have to imagine. I mean, the book is absolutely blowing up. You know, it's it sold out everywhere. Look, Bob and I wanted to cover it on the podcast because, um, you know, what we do is we take a brand new first issue comic book every week and we break it down and then we tell our listeners if they should move on to issue number two or not. We weren't even able to cover the book because our sh the shop that we go to got one copy and it was mine. So I didn't even have a, pop a copy to give to Bob until we, you know, uh, recorded this podcast. Apo to apologies. You guys, <laughs> yeah. Um, but it, it's sold out everywhere. You know, everybody wants a, a copy of this book. It's, it's blown up on the secondary market. All the, all comic book investing sites and stuff like that are all talking about it. So how does it feel to be like, you know, the buzz, right? <laughs> you know, I don't know how that fucking you. happened. <laughs> yeah. It, it's who um... are you people? <laughs> who are you people buying this weird book? Where did this come from? There's a lot of them. <laughs> it's a really interesting question for me because um, I'm trying to think of like the best way to answer this be because mm -hmm. it's like, yeah, it's, it's vindicating. Uh, 
Yep. But for me, um, and I feel like I can say this because I don't draw the book. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I, I knew the vision of the book. I knew exactly what it was. And I knew it was something that was worth pursuing. Yep. Uh, and, you know, it was like a, a couple of years where we were in limbo and there were times when Jenna was like, yeah, I don't think this is going to happen. But I was always like, no, I, I believe in this book. I, I know our vision is good and we just mm -hmm. have to stick to that. And eventually it will happen, whether that's through a publisher or whether we decide to like kickstart it or whatever. Yep. I was like, I've, I've made, you know, 12 books at this point in my career. <laughs> I know a good book when I have it. Um, mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I was just really also stubborn. And I was like, no, like this is the vision for the book and it will get picked up eventually. And especially as we started sharing it with some of our friends for feedback, like other mm -hmm. creators in the industry, the unanimous feedback we got from them was, yeah, this is, this is good. This is like, yeah, we like your other work. Your other work's really good, but this is like special. This is the thing that feels like it's really both you and Jenna and your vision is uncompromised. And so for, for me, it was just, it was like, yes, I know that what is in my brain <laughs> makes sense <laughs> and I can pull this stuff off or we can pull this stuff off. I know there's 14 issues to go and like we might blow it in the end. Yeah, let's but, not speak too soon. Uh, at least for an issue one. Um, and yeah, it's just vindicating less so in the sense of it's it's blowing up and doing well, but more mm -hmm. so in the sense of uh, I know a good story when, when I have one and, and I don't have to like doubt myself at this point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was harder for me to, uh, I mean, it's still, still hard for me to... Um, kind of wrap my head around that um it's weird like my my perspective is kind of weird because um it the book is like a lot more precious to me uh and I so like I I conceived it in 2016 um and I kind of made it I I committed to the to the book once I like kind of gave it um it's, it's form, uh, in 2017. Mm -hmm. Um, so I've been working on it for, for a long time and I brought it to Lonnie. I pitched it to Lonnie once I started, uh, once I signed on for black stars above in 2019. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's been a long time coming, you know, it, it's like, it's been, it's been, a in my life for a good enough while at this point that, it's kind of hard for me to transition it from being more than just this thing I have, you mm -hmm. know, like it was my, th it was this thing that I, that I, you know, kind of nurtured and um, eventually became something that Lonnie nurtured. And it was just, you know, this, you know, this entity in, in our life. And then now I kind of have to externalize it and it has to kind of go outside myself and it's it's out there in the open you know in the world so the the gra grappling with that uh is like kind of kind of hard for me just because it's like it's so personal and it makes sense to me <laughs> you know it, it like uh it, it it has meaning and value to me mm -hmm. whether or not it has meaning and value to other people um is is something that like 
it's just kind of psychologically and spiritually, it's kind of hard to like, to uh, live with that. So it's, it's a process, you know, it's literally the first issue is, all, is out and we have 13 more to go. Um, <laughs> that'll take at least another two years of my life. So <laughs> it's all, it's just begun. Like, you know, this, this whole process. Um, yeah. So when it, so when it came to our publisher telling us about the, um, the numbers and stuff, you know, telling us that that he sold out diamond sold out it was just kind of like i think i kind of just like blanked like i think i think my my like animal reaction was just kind of freeze up yep like when you clap in a goat's face and they just kind of like get paralyzed (laughs) and they could just fall over that's just me i'm just like dude i just gotta draw the thing you know i just Mm -hmm. gotta co-write and draw the thing like i don't know anything else about anything (laughs) you know like that's all i know what to do with myself just draw the thing and write it well, yeah, I mean, again, you guys definitely accomplished something there. It's, uh, of course, you're telling the story you want to tell and the story that's, you know, uh, been with you for a while now, like you just explained. Um, but yes, to to say, you know, I, I, I don't personally flip books. I'm not like a comic book speculator in that way. But, you know, being adjacent to a lot of them, I mean, this is every everybody's oh god how did you get a copy of the sickness you know it's just everybody wants to copy this thing that goes that goes so over my head (laughs) yeah where i'm just like you're selling this for how much like (laughs) are you sure (laughs) yeah yeah it's almost like don't don't open up ebay and look at the most recent uh sales uh so weird so where the fuck does this come from (laughs) you're like hold on where's where's some of that cash for me but (laughs) yeah yeah right yeah it's interesting it's like a lot of comic book creators have like a weird hatred for some of the people who flip books but Mm -hmm. um i talked to james tynan about it once and he explained it as like yeah you know you might not benefit from the sales directly but they create um it's like you're sort of also dependent on them and they Mm -hmm. feed the industry just in a different way yeah and so it was kind of intentional not in that we were trying to like i don't know game the market or anything but Mm -hmm. when it came to variants i was very insistent that we had multiple variants and that Mm -hmm. we got them from artists who uh were a people that we really liked and and had wanted to work with for a long time but also that we would knew would just do a good cover that would appeal to people and represent the book Mm -hmm. and you know, to, to stagger it out in terms of like, okay, there's this many of this cover, this many of this cover. It's, it's just something you have to consider these days as a creator of that like business side of stuff. Sure. And I'm not a businessman. I don't <laughs> know what I'm doing, but I know enough <laughs> about comics at this point after collecting them and working on them for like the more than half of my life. Yeah. Businessman by proxy. <laughs> Yeah, because like, by you know, association. Because I would go into a shop, and if I would see a Sam Wolf Connolly cover, I would buy it. Mm-hmm. So the opportunity to get a cover from him was like, mm-hmm. and everyone else was was like really cool for us. Yeah, we were like, who's the most, you know, who who's the artist who can who can mm-hmm. land a place in the G rating, in the PG rating, in the mm-hmm. PG thirteen rating, in the R rating, in the in the in the X rating, Shintaro Kago. <laughs> he can he'll appeal to everybody. Mm-hmm. Everybody, all the all ages, all ages will buy the sickness because of, of Mr. Kago. Yeah, well, look, it's it's definitely a book. I mean, I would say, uh, 
you know, younger readers might um, be a little uncomfortable with some of the material, but hey, not. you I know mean, what? Anybody hey, can read know, this book. <laughs> I mean, look at the world around us. <laughs> exactly, like, exactly. They, they, they have access to TikTok. They can uh -huh. <laughs> handle our fucking comic, yes, you know? I agree. Um, yeah, but it's, uh, I mean, I, I, I can't, I can't sit here and, uh, you know, say enough good things about it. It's, it's very wonderfully oh, written, really wonderfully illustrated and, and, and all of that. Um, Jenna, this might be a question more pointed at you, but of course, uh, you know, if either of you has anything to say about it, please chime in. Um, we learned just last week, whenever uh -huh. Secret Invasion came out, that uh, Marvel was using AI in the beginning credits. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if you haven't heard that yet or not, but yeah, uh, Marvel commissioned uh, AI-generated art for the opening credits of Secret Invasion. I'm not oh, surprised. I didn't hear that. <laughs> not, yeah. Who the fuck is surprised? <laughs> yeah. Inevitable. Um, <laughs> we we talked last week to Raphael Albuquerque about that. Uh, we talked a little bit earlier to Sue Lee about the same thing um, to get their opinions. I'd love to hear your opinion, and and of course, if you have one, Lonnie as well. Um, you know what you think about that uh a, a, of course you know a lot of backlash for people heavily invested in the comic book community because this is while it's marvel studios you know and it's not directly related to the comics i mean none of it exists without the comics and you're putting a job that should have gone to an artist uh, in the hands of ai so <laughs> it's funny great question to ask because last night <laughs> last night we watched um a twilight zone episode mm -hmm. Old Twilight Zone. Old Twilight Zone. This was yes. 1950. That's the only Twilight Zone to watch. Yeah, yes. exactly. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, it was a, it was 1959, and the whole episode was about this, like... Uh, Factory. Yeah, this, like, corporation owner mm -hmm. who um, acquires a supercomputer mm -hmm. to replace everyone's job, basically. <laughs> so he fires, like, hundreds of, of, of people... Um, just so that this one computer can can do everyone's job, but they can save them a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and then at the end of the episode, it, it's I'll spoil it. it's from nineteen fucking fifty nine. You know, you had you, had, you all had <laughs> seventy years to watch it. Um, <laughs> at the end of the episode, the guy is like uh, miserable because he because there still has to be someone manning the computers, mm -hmm. and he's the only person to do that and <laughs> <Sorry>. uh <laughs> it's he he becomes like extremely lonely mm -hmm. and he basically loses his humanity and he kind of has this breakdown of like um uh or, or like an epiphany that um it's it's the act of of like creation made by humans that mm -hmm. that gives value to like you know to Yes. to every point of community industry connection. economy whatever yeah yeah well, like yeah like not being lonely is like a huge <laughs> factor in a good workforce and then he loses his job <laughs> and then the he loses yeah exactly yeah um the and the iron. whole the whole episode people are like trying to argue with this guy being like but it, what about man like what about <laughs> man's creation look at these hands these hands can do anything blah, blah, blah. it's just like oh my god you just replaced the word computer with AI with like mid journey and it would be just as relevant today. <laughs> That's always the sad thing about Twilight Zone episodes yeah. is, is you like to think that all that stuff is like, you know, these wild ideas and they're like left in the past and everything. And, and no, they nope. most of them still apply. So. Yep. All of them. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. I, 
I think it's just been unfortunate the way that it's because um, it, the technology itself is, is amazing. Mm-hmm. It's just mm-hmm. unfortunate the way that it's been so constantly these companies insist on doing this stuff unethically mm-hmm. when all artists and writers are asking for is like just don't be a jerk yeah. just like mm-hmm. you know think of the people that this impacts and you know make some rules around what's okay what's not and we're willing to work with you but they don't seem very interested in, in mm-hmm. engaging in a conversation so that's for me kind of the end of it uh, at least as it stands now uh, and yeah, there's two things. There's the the Miyazaki quote where he says, like, using it as an insult to life itself. <laughs> and as an artist, you know, I, I relate to that because mm-hmm. art is the process of the making, not the end product. So mm-hmm. it's not art to me if it's if there's no process involved. Yep. Uh, and then also yesterday we were, I feel like every interview I've done, I've quoted Guillermo del Toro in some way. <laughs> it's fine. It's uh, fine. But, but yeah, he did an interview recently because I, I have these conversations with people all the time at work and stuff. And mm-hmm. uh, there's always this like mentality of, oh, don't be scared of AI, like me as a writer. I'm like, I'm not scared. Yeah, we're not. Like, yeah. That's not the problem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And del Toro yesterday said he, he's not afraid of artificial intelligence. He's afraid of natural stupidity. <laughs> <laughs> And that uh, that resonated with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. I mean, I my sentiments are like no different from most people's fucking. Like, I have nothing new to say about mm-hmm. about this. I have no take or anything. <laughs> um, it's it's funny, like you know, just like I know, I know. At some point, there was like a really um, stupid fucking thing where someone did a mid journey on um, uh, Kim Jong Ji. Mm-hmm. like his his style uh oh, yeah. when he died like a day um, after he yeah died. a day after he died it's like oh, look yeah. how like similar it looks blah 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 and stuff um and this is like the like hopefully i hope this doesn't sound like vain or anything like i'm trying mm-hmm. i'm not trying to be vain but i just imagine trying to like get mid-journey to make the sickness <laughs> you know and just imagining like my style trying to be replicated mm-hmm. which like you know maybe it could but that idea is just like funny to me, you know, you, you can never make anything meaningful with, with, with AI. Like, just like you said, like, you know, if there's no humanity in it, then it's like, it's like an uncanny valley of the soul, yeah, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and like, that's how they always end up coming out. That that's been our conclusion almost every time we've asked yeah, the question. Yeah. Uh, it, it's not, I, I don't feel like it's a vain statement to make. It's it's I, I completely agree with you. Uh my my favorite artists, you know, Bill Cabbage or or Mike Allred or you know, some of these people, Tyler Crook, like there's there's so much of them in that art. You're you're not nothing's gonna replicate that. Uh mm-hmm. nothing's gonna replicate what you do at all. They can pick little bits and pieces and make some uncanny thing that doesn't match up and try to Frankenstein uh, a Jenna piece, but it's not going to work. You know, it's not going to be used. So yeah, yeah, completely. Yeah. The, the best, the most valuable best thing that AI is used for is um, making a meme where Elvis Presley sings Sir Mix-a-Lot songs (laughs) and it sounds just like Elvis. I've not uh, heard that one. So I'll definitely have to check that out. It's pretty (laughs) scary. (laughs) <laughs> well, I know what I'm doing tonight. So yep. um <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Um 
I want to get into, uh, we won't take up too much more of your time. I know we were almost at an hour here anyways. And, and I said, we try to keep it short so we don't keep you guys all night. But um, uh, of course, you guys seem very collaborative, of course, uh, working together here on, on Black Stars Above. Uh, as well, Lonnie, you've done a lot of work with, uh, with Zach Thompson. Um, I, we'd love to know, you know, how that process works. Um, collaborating with, uh, of course, all, sorry, most comics are collaborations most of the time, uh, at the very least an artist and a writer working together at, at Spare Bones, but usually a lot more than that. You have editors, a lot of times color, um, uh, all of that stuff. So whenever you've worked on a piece, say with Zach Thompson or something, how does that collaborative process take place? It seems like you guys obviously really enjoy it because you guys have done it quite a few times, but um, yeah, I'd like to hear a little bit about that. Yeah, for sure. It, I'll be... Zach, Zach, Zach didn't put a ring on it. Yeah, Zach and I, we love working together. Uh, mm -hmm. Zach, part of the reason we're, we're not is because he moved to the other side of the country and it's just been okay. harder, but <laughs> sure. we did have a book we were working on together at Aftershock that is now uh, unfortunately <clears throat> kind of lost in wah, the, wah. the nah. bankruptcy uh stuff but hopefully we'll be able to revive it <clears throat> um it's kind of related to some of the ai stuff we were talking about J just in that for me art is a a means of connection and it's a means of creating community mm -hmm. and for me my most successful and enjoyable collaborations are those with jenna and with zach mm -hmm. and it's because they were fully collaborative we would when zach lived here in Vancouver I would go to his house or he would come to my house five days a week mm -hmm. we'd sit down beside each other in the same google doc and we would just you know work on the script together talk it out eat um pizza. eat pizza <laughs> fart you know, <laughs> do do things yeah. and you know write comics and <laughs> it was it was really fulfilling especially because we were on the same page so much with the stuff mm -hmm. we were trying to tell and our inspirations and Jenna and I, um, you know, we have the benefit of living together, but mm -hmm. it's it's very much the same type of collaboration where we sit down together, same document, we're working on the script together, we're working on layouts together. Jenna's like, hey, I'm drawing this page, can you look at it for a second? And it's, you know, it's just always having that communication open. Um, and I've found comics that I've done where, this isn't always the case, but when there's not that communication, not that direct, uh, not that you have to be like best friends, but, but mm -hmm. just an openness to, to speak to one another uh, as close relations, as collaborators, um, it just never feels as good. And I, I think you can, as a reader, you can tell that in the product when, when the, the two sides aren't fully matching together. Uh, so obviously I'm in a pretty ideal situation now um, mm -hmm. And even still, when Zach and I work together, it's like we don't work together separately. We get on a Zoom call, and we write mm -hmm. as we're both on Zoom, <laughs> and that's that's it. <laughs> Very cool. Um, yeah, I don't have much more to say. Like I've tried to collaborate other ways, and and uh, like passing scripts back and forth, or mm -hmm. someone writes half the issue, and other person writes the other half of the issue, and I just don't really enjoy it as much. Mm -hmm. um, often ends up feeling like someone's putting in more work than the other person or 
you read the other person's work and you're like, wait a second, I thought we agreed on something else. <laughs> so it, yeah, it's, um, I don't recommend co-writing stuff to most people mm-hmm. unless you have someone that you can really put that trust in. Sure. And Jenna, I think, you know, uh, another question that I have for you, uh, again, I won't take up too much of you guys, uh, time now, but, um, when we were talking to Sue Lee today and, and we talked a little bit about her book over at Dynamite um, where she's doing Disney villains Maleficent, I had learned today, sadly, after I've already read two issues of the book that um, I, I knew she was the illustrator on the book, but, but I didn't know she was the writer until today. So I felt very, um, very bad about that. Is there, <laughs> is there ever a time that you can think where, where you'd be comfortable illustrating and writing your your own project, like the entire thing yourself. Is that anything you've ever done? Um, how does that process work for you? That's, that's the only thing I want to do. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) That is, uh, that is an ideal situation for me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Not that this isn't ideal. Sure. The sickness would not be, (laughs) 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 the sickness, uh, would be a completely different book in, Mm -hmm. in not in a, in a good way. Um, if Lonnie wasn't on board, um, but I, I've had like I've had a, a couple other projects that I want to do eventually where mm-hmm. I would I would write and draw. Um, I have like I have like some of those things I've I've also worked on for a long time since school, even longer than than school. Um, you know, I have it all locked and loaded. It's just you know, I just need to wait for the the opportune time and the. Um, opportunity to do so um yeah i i really think like i i'm fine with um doing a couple you know side things with Mm -hmm. with other writers um like not not including lonnie um lonnie is the only writer that i would be willing to work with long term Mm -hmm. um I think the way that we jive in terms of storytelling and in terms of what we want to achieve is uh, just like incomparable to like any other, I can't imagine doing that with, with any other person just as easily, you know? So I tricked her, I tricked her into played the long con. (laughs) Here's that, that lawyer in him (laughs) that caught me. And then since I didn't have anything in my skill set except art, I fell for it. (laughs) Um, You did good, Lonnie. Yeah. Great. (laughs) Uh, and then, yeah, so, so like I eventually want to, want to write and draw my own, my own books. And, uh, for the time being, the only person I'm really, really willing to write with is Lonnie. Um, happy to do like short collaborations in the future and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. But in terms of like my life missions and like the things I really want to achieve and fulfill for myself, um, is all that stuff. So, yeah. Very cool. Well, look, this is this has been absolutely great. I really appreciate you guys carving out the time to talk to us today. It's been awesome to get to talk to uh, the two creators of The Sickness here. Uh, very excited about that. And of course, now we all know we can look forward to a Lonnie and uh, Jenna Superman story coming up soon. Just <laughs> out 2023. Um, <laughs> yeah, 2023. <laughs> we're all looking forward to that. But, um, Once. <laughs> yeah, uh, please, please let our listeners know where they can find you guys. I'll also, of course, be putting links to all of that in the show notes. But, but please let them know where they can find you guys. Uh, any, anything else you want to say to me, please? 
Um, boy, it's always like a real chore to have to <laughs> spell out my my like stupid social media handles. So on Twitter, my handle is kale kale underscore Satan. Satan as an S A T A N. Um, and then Instagram, my handle is jangling period Jack. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> I made those handles 10 years ago when I didn't think my career would go anywhere. So I just chose the things I liked and I haven't changed them since. Hey, understood. Be happy that your podcast doesn't have like eight words in the titles. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah you can find me on social on instagram and on twitter just at lonnie nadler yeah because because lonnie's a smart person and he <laughs> changed his handles to I be more it. you know he's, he's even got a dot com so you know just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's that too but uh where where can people uh, of course you know like i said before you can't go out to uh, most of your local comic book shops and pick up a copy of the sickness number one, but you can uh, request them on your pool list for issues number two and three and all of that. Hopefully if, if the final order cutoff hasn't already uh, passed, but yeah. Uh, where, where else can they, uh, I'm sorry. When, when can we be looking forward to <laughs> issue number two? Yeah. Well, issue one is going to be resolicited. So there's going to so be a reprint yes. of yes. number one. It will be a reprint. Yeah. Very uh, there will be, so none of the covers will be reprinted. It'll be a different cover. Um, oh, amazing. More covers I have to collect. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Flip those book guys. Uh, so yeah, new re new printing of number one will come out and that should be available to order through. I think it's already available through Lunar, but yeah. Diamond will have it soon. Cool. Uh, and issue two will be out in September, which is a long wait. Wasn't our intention. Yeah, it was a, mis it was a solicitation uh, mistake. Yeah, but then issue three will be out in October. So there's no month wait between issue two and three. I love it because you're going to create even more buzz now because everyone's read issue one and they're like, damn it, I have to read issue two and they have to wait till September. Yeah. And or going to sell out instantly. Or that's going to be the flip side where people are like, <laughs> "I'm not waiting three months. What? Wait, what? What's this? What are you talking about? Issue what of what? <laughs> Move on to the next thing." No, I, I'm foreseeing very good things about the future of this book. Again, uh, Lonnie, Jenna, thank you guys so much for talking to us today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, uh, you guys are welcome to come back anytime you want to talk about comics or any of your projects, yeah. but yes. thank you guys so Absolutely. much. Thank yeah. you so much for having you. us. This was, yeah. this was really cool. Yeah. Thanks Dan and Bob. This was sincerely like a, a really good and fun interview to do. Yeah. So happy to thank come you. back anytime. Yeah. Any, anytime. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much. And I hope you guys have a wonderful night and we'll see you later. Thank Great. you. Take care. Thank you so much. Bye. And that's it. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to episode number 26 of the all new, all different number one comics podcast. You can find us on social media on Instagram at A-N-A-D underscore number one comics podcast. You can check us out on Twitter if it still exists at A-N-A-D-N-O comic pod on TikTok at A-N-A-D number one comics pod and on YouTube under the comic book channel. This and every single week, Bob and I would love to give a copy away of this book that we covered this week being Barnstormers number one from Dark Horse Comics. All you got to do is get on social media of your choice and use the hashtag all new, all different nation. Thank you guys so much and we'll see you next time.
The dialogue worked. The world building worked. Everything worked, but it did work. The dialogue worked. The world building worked. Everything worked, but it did work. The dialogue worked. The world building worked. Everything worked, but it did work. The dialogue worked. The world building worked. Everything worked, but it did work. The dialogue worked. The world building worked. Everything worked, but it did work.